Ladies and gentlemen, what up? Blues Day recap college basketball. Had to get into it. Had to get into it because my eyes do not deceive me, y'all. It do not. They do not deceive me, man. I was watching this shit from start of all the tournaments around Thanksgiving up until this point, right before the new year. And I got to say, man, I got to say, I got my thoughts, my two cents. I saw the games over the weekend, especially Arizona-Purdue. Saw a little bit of Houston versus A&M, Texas A&M that would be, Kansas at Indiana, UConn went to Gonzaga in Seattle. Well, they ain't go to Gonzaga, they went to Seattle, but none of the point. But I have my two cents as far as who's really the top dog at this point and probably or likely what's going to happen once we reach to reach the final four in Arizona in 2024. Let's get right into it. I want to start off with Kansas, the Jayhawks. They're probably going to be the number one team now that Arizona lost. And I'll get to that game in a second. But uh, the Kansas Jayhawks, uh, who did defeat the Indiana Hoosiers in Bloomington on the University of, or Indiana University's Bloomington campus. Uh, you know, when I look at this team, this is a pretty good team. All right, This is a team that's, uh, they only lost that one game earlier this year uh, back in the uh, Maui tournament. But uh, you know they got they have balanced scoring, they have uh, the colors, and that's the kind of the X factor on this team. I believe uh, if he's making his perimeter shots, uh, like he did against UConn a couple of weeks ago in Lawrence, Kansas, their home game, uh, like he did in this game uh, versus the Indiana Hoosiers, they'll be I. They'll definitely be a big contender to make the Final Four. Uh, the colors, uh, you got a Hunter Dickinson, the guy, the transfer from Michigan. Uh, he's their big four, the soft paw. Uh, he's one of their leading scorers. KJ Adams is a, as a, an athletic, strong, small forward type of guy. He's, he's well built. He's a guy that's, uh, he's physical, could definitely jump. He's their athletic, uh, wingman. Uh, you got Dewan Harris is kind of like your your guard, or he's like your your, your regular guard. You, you put him on some defensive assignments and and run the show or run the ship as far as point guard duties. But um, there, that's pretty much the main core of their squad. Uh, they got Furphy that comes off of the bench, who's their knockdown perimeter shooter. Uh, they did beat Indiana uh, after actually being down in that game, losing by eight in the first half, and. Uh, it came down to a down. It came down to knocking down the free throws at the end of the game, and they did that, and they got to get they got the win over Mike Woodson's team against Indiana. But Kansas is a, is a is a good team. It's one of the, you know, I, I think this year of college basketball teams aren't strong. There's a oh, obviously there's the guys one and done. You have the transfer portal factor, and that's pretty much the theme on this uh this episode today. Uh, the the transfer portal is a, is a game changer because guys have moved around. It's going to be like that until it actually changes. So it's, guys are not going to be on the same college team. So year to year, you don't know what you're going to get uh, with the college basketball teams until you actually see the product on the court. And and in Kansas, is uh, you know taste or whatever. They have notable wins at Indiana, home versus UConn. They beat Tennessee at home and also beat Kentucky on the neutral side. So Kansas, to me, is a team, or put it like this, any team of around, even the top teams this year, can be knocked off. We saw Purdue get knocked off 
uh, early in the tournament last season, and that could have definitely happen again. Although I don't think a lot of these teams are historically strong. Uh, it's kind of hard to say as far as just because you're a top three, top four team this season does not make necessarily make you a powerhouse, if that makes sense. So when I look at the Kansas Jayhawks, I do see a good team, a, a serviceable team. Historically, not you know, mostly actually all these teams for the most part aren't historically good. Let's put it out there like that. But as far as this year versus the current crop of teams that they're going to be playing in, in Kansas uh, taste as far as the Big 12, they should be uh, they should be fine to get through that tournament as long as you know staying healthy in, in the case for anybody. But uh, Kansas uh, also a good start this regular season, and they should have a very high seed going into the tournament. And and the game I really had to see for myself, man. I mean, this is kind of why we do what we do on the Bleed Blue Show because we gotta watch it, see for ourselves, speak for ourselves. And number one, Arizona at. Number three, Purdue on a neutral site in Indianapolis, uh, the home of the uh, Indiana Pacers. I forget the name of the arena now. I mean, they change so many names so often. But uh, it used to be, I don't know, Caseco Fieldhouse, Brainbridge something. I don't know. But Purdue uh, with the win over the uh, Arizona Wildcats. But I was watching this from a standpoint. I wanted to see why on the AP polls the coaches – Gave Arizona 62 first place uh, number one votes from this past week. And I think the only team, the other team that got one vote for number one ranking was the Houston Cougars. And I'll get to them in a second. The Arizona, 62 first place. Uh, where? Where? I'm watching this shit. And I do not see number one overall team in the country to the point of 62 coaches putting Arizona in. Now, Arizona had a weak, and I mean weak, schedule up until this point. They played, I the only two teams that they beat that were mid was Duke and Michigan State. So when I look at Arizona, they this is their biggest test. They're probably the biggest test all season until they get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, they you know, they got, they got guys that are, Okay, right? They got Caleb Love, the transfer from North Carolina. He's there going to be the leading scorer. He's an undersized two guard. He's a guy that's uh, decent. He's at, he's athletic, but he's undersized, if that makes sense. Like, he he can score. He he, he has a lot of um, uh, alpha in him. But he's not enough to get to a national championship, if you ask me. I don't even think they're going to make a Final Four. I could be wrong, but... You know, I look at Caleb Love, who's probably he's their leading scorer. Keyshawn Johnson, this guy's an he's very athletic, but he's also an undersized forward on that team. And Umar Balo, who's kind of like their uh, the guy who he's going to get the rebounds, catch alley oop dunks, do all the dirty work underneath. Uh, and then they got a guy named Pell Larson. He's like their off guard, but he had a he had a very poor game versus Purdue on uh, Saturday versus the uh, Boilermakers. Uh, but I just, I, I was just wrapping my head. I'm watching this shit, right? And Purdue controlled the game pretty much start to finish. Uh, they had big leads and they gave up the lead late in the second half. And then they, they, they weathered the storm with clutch shots and they knocked down their free throws talking about Purdue. But I'm looking at Arizona. The point I'm ranting is the 62 first place votes in the AP poll. Like, 
like Arizona's not it. It they're definitely not it. Um they are an okay team. They're a team that probably can or will win the Pac-12. You know, you know, you know, we talked about that on the college football thing as far as Pac-12. But Arizona is not 62 votes by the coaches in America strong to be number one. I, I was just watching this shit on Saturday. Like, how could this be? The, how, could, how could they do this? Who made them do this? Why did they do this? But um, Arizona loses to Purdue, who, uh, you know, they, they're going to drop in the poll. I don't know how far they're going to drop in the poll by the time the conclusion of this episode. But Purdue, now the case of Purdue, <laughs> you know, how they lost in the tournament last year, got how they got ounced out of the tournament, because they're a one-trick pony. And the one-trick pony is pretty much playing through Zach Eady. Now this team has already lost one game to a, a lower-ranked Northwestern team on the road. Um, they did beat some good teams up until this point. They did beat... Marquette in uh, the Maui Invitational, who I think Marquette is a, a is a good team that's probably going to make like a a three or no lower than a three or four seed in the NCAA tournament. They did beat Tennessee like seventy one to fifty six. Tennessee's decent. They're going to be like a four or five seed in the uh, NCAA tournament as far as the construction of their roster. And they and they beat Gonzaga by ten. Uh, and the Gonzaga's okay, not the same strong Gonzaga team we're, we're used to with Adam Morrison. Uh, Jalen uh, Jalen Suggs, uh, Drew Timmy. Uh, we've seen stronger Gonzaga teams out of Mark Few over the last twenty five years. This ain't one of them. Good team, but not not Gonzaga worthy. So Purdue, you know, they got through the stretch of the schedule pretty much. I think pretty good for their standards. One loss, not bad, and beating Arizona on a neutral site. Although it was kind of a pseudo home game because West Lafayette and Indianapolis is what maybe up to an hour drive from the campus to downtown Indianapolis. So it was pretty much a home game for Purdue, and and Purdue held serve. Uh, they got twenty two points, nine rebounds out of the big center. On every night, he's going to be the tallest guy on the court. So this, you know, neutralizing Balo, the, 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 uh, corner, uh, the big Ford or the big center for the, um, Arizona Wildcats, uh, they, they dominated. And, and when I say one trick pony, let me go back to that point. When I say one trick pony, their whole game plan is make sure, you know, feature him in the office, throw it down to him in the post. And then from there, allow the double teams to collapse on Edie so he could kick it out to her, their shooters. And their and their shooters are pretty good set shooters to get the job done. Now, if they have an off night, it could spell trouble for the Purdue Boilermakers on any game, especially in an NCAA tournament when it's just a one, one game you move on or one game you lose, you're out. And that's kind of what happened to them last season. Uh He's going to be the biggest guy on the court. He's not an athletic per se. He's just tall. He cleans up bad shots and he 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 has a actually a soft touch. So he could dip that shoulder into the chest of the defender without drawing too much of an offensive foul and just put the ball on the rim so it could drop. He's um he's he he's a serviceable college center and he probably will be the college player of the year. I would not be surprised. Uh, as far as Zach Eady, his running mates, Braden Smith, is when I'm talking about he, that's their point guard. He's the guy who's going to knock down perimeter shots and wide open perimeter shots because of those double teams. He's your classic old school 80s point guard. 
not necessarily a floor general. He's just a set shooter. Think of Steve Alford. Think of Jerry McNamara from the Syracuse Orange. A guy who can knock down shots. Win wide open. That's what Brady Smith is. And he has one of, he's one of those players that he'll start getting more aggressive once he starts seeing the ball going in the hoop, although he is a good shooter. Uh, so as far as Braden Smith, he, he was four for seven for three points on Saturday versus the Wildcats. And then Fletcher Lawyer, who actually had a big game. He's a guy who's the other guard forward. He's a, he's they're also their other shooter. He was five from nine for three point range. He had 27 points. He's normally averaging 10 or 11 at night up until this point. He, um, he played well. He shot the ball very well versus Arizona. And that's their game. Dumping down to Edie. And then when the double teams come, if they don't, because if they feel that your their opposing center can't DM, they're gonna other teams are just gonna double or triple ED and it's just gonna be wide open shots for those shooters on Purdue. And that's exactly what happened versus Arizona. They they never really was threatened in this game. This is why I was kind of confused and scratching my head. Like, how the hell is this team 62 votes by the coaches in the uh, AP poll? It, it made no sense. But they got the job done. Um, uh, you know, notable wins for the uh, Arizona, if you want to call it. I mean, it's a notable win. It is what it is, right? They did beat Alabama the other day, 92-86. Uh, they did, you know, like I said, they lost at Northwestern in the game. I did see it was a couple of Fridays ago um, uh, in Northwestern. Uh, they did beat Marquette in Maui. That's the game I definitely remember. And that was a big win for them. And then also... Uh, like I said, Gonzaga and Tennessee. So Purdue is is definitely one or two seed, two seed at the worst, probably a one seed as long as they go through their Big Ten schedule. I don't think there's a big threat in the Big Ten this year in college basketball. Uh, Michigan State is okay. Michigan, eh, blah. Penn State, eh. Ohio State, eh. Uh, Wisconsin, weak. Ah, I don't see no major threat in the Big Ten. Purdue probably wins this thing again. And they have the formula. As long as ED's healthy, they'll get the job done. No problem, right? So you look at those two particular teams, and then I look at, let's say, the UConn Huskies, the Connecticut Huskies. And and listen, I'm not trying to be uh, biased to the, to the alma mater, but listen, they went to Seattle over the weekend, well, this past Friday, and they beat Gonzaga on a neutral court. Gonzaga plays in Eastern Washington. That's not necessarily a home game. Or it's a neutral side game in Seattle, but UConn is battle tested uh, not only from you know the season right now, but a lot of the core are, are, are is still on that returning champion team from last year, like Alex Caravan, uh, Tristan Newton in particular. Those two, and then of course Donovan Klingon, the uh, the big center who was playing backup to Sonogo last year. They had a wire-to-wire win in Seattle versus the Zags, uh, versus the Bulldogs. Uh, very impressive win. Very impressive win. And I think they're the if, – if you was to ask me, if I had a vote in the poll in – in, in the voting poll, if you was to ask me, they are the best team in college basketball. And I, I you could go back to the game a couple of Fridays ago when UConn went to Kansas and lost by like four. To me, when you look at the eye test, UConn is the deepest team in the co- in college basketball this year. They're the deepest. They're the most versatile team offensively in in, in this uh, season. 
They can beat you in many ways that I think other teams can't, and that's what makes them dangerous because on any given night, somebody can step up and score. And the crazy thing up until this point this season, their best player, the five-star recruit from uh, Covington, Georgia, uh, Stephen Castle, hasn't even, he hasn't even begun to scratch to get his legs under up under him, and they're beating quality teams already. They lost to Kansas in Kansas on Lawrence, Kansas, in that Big East, Big 12 challenge, they played like crap in that game. And they could have still won if Cam Spencer, the transfer from Loyola, had if he would have made that open shot, they would have won that game. But he missed it, and they played like like utter crap, like not to Connecticut Husky standard basketball, and they could have won that game. They could, and if, if here's my thing. If they played again on neutral site in the tournament, they definitely beat Kansas. I, I have no doubt about that. As long as everybody's healthy, they they haven't reached their peak, and they can only get better defensively. And guys on the squad, there's so many ways they could beat you. They could beat you if Alex Caravan with backdoor cuts, UCLA old school basketball, and he's he 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 put on the show uh, at the Garden when they played Texas. He's a very good three point shooter. Uh, Cam Spencer is a very good shooter. Um, not overly athletic. He just knocks down shots. Um. You have a clinic in, they're featuring him. He's the 7'2 center. The only center, I think, right now in college basketball that I've seen that's taller than him is Zach Eady from Purdue. If they were to play each other, he would actually, you know, have to watch out not to be in foul trouble in that particular game. They got Tristan New, who underratedly has probably been the best college basketball player this season. He's been putting up a couple of triple doubles. There was a game, like the game in Kansas, he put up a monster game, 30 plus points. He'll, he does a little bit of everything. He's a Swiss Army knife. I'm very happy the way he's protected the basketball from last year to this year where he was kind of spotty with his dribble. But he's a tall point guard. He's a 6'5", 6'6", guard. He can run the point. He can take a deep three if necessarily. Uh, he gets into the paint rather easily versus small defenders. Uh, and he doesn't have to... He could be the fourth or fifth option on offense. That's how deep they are. They can run. See the difference between them and, and Connecticut. I mean, between Connecticut and Purdue. If they feature Clinigan down on the post and teams collapse on Clinigan, they have so many guys that could beat you. Carabin, Spencer, Newton, uh, Solomon Ball had played well in, against North Carolina at the Garden, who was making down a lot of open shots, and, and which was beneficial to him because. Castle, who was out of the, you know, missed like five or six games because of uh, a knee procedure, they gave him minutes to start in Castle's place, and and he's played well. He's played very well and boost up his confidence. So you got him. You got Samson Johnson, the backup center, who's more of an athletic run the 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 court. Uh, he's he's very active. He has he has hops. He blocks shots. Totally different type of center than Clinigan. Uh, you got Diara, who's pretty much your defensive guy. He doesn't necessarily shoot the ball well. Misses a lot of layups, but he played well in Gonzaga against Gonzaga on Friday. He made some uh, good passes, some alley oop passes to I think it was Samson Johnson, and then uh, a couple of clutch layups and fouls and three point plays. Uh, Danny Hurley has a lot of uh, tools in the shed to go to different depending on the opponent. Let's see how they get through the Big East schedule this year because they struggled against the Big East last year versus Xavier, Creighton, Marquette. 
Uh, Seton Hall gave them troubles last year. So when they get into the heart of the Big East schedule, especially when they play Marquette and Creighton this year, I would love to see how they do around this year. But I think they'll do a lot better because they were mid against the oh, Providence last year, if it comes to mind. They should beat a lot of these teams this year versus compared to last year. And that, that team won the national championship. They had better sh- – well, I, I, I would say they had better shooters. Jordan Hawkins, who's currently on the New Orleans Pelicans, was their sniper. And he was more athletic, but he was streaky. And, it, and he would disappear in games a lot. And that bothered me. Sonogo was their center who was underratedly a decent shooter from three. And a lot of guys didn't, you know, maybe they missed the scouting report and to come up and defend him against the three. And they don't have that weapon this year, but they they make it up in other places. Because, like I said, Cam Spencer, the transfer from Loyola, has shown the ability to knock down consistent open jumpers. They, they If you're going to swing the ball from Clinigan to Newton, the Caribbean, Spencer's going to knock down these shots. He's confident. He's just a smart basketball player, and he knows how to look up. That, that was a dimension UConn did not have last year, like making the wide-open passes. They had guys that did different things. Like Andre Jackson was a better on-ball defender. Jordan Hawkins was a better perimeter shooter. Sonoga was a, a, a center that – had dominated in the post, but also could make open threes. But they actually are different. They're better in different ways with their athleticism, smarter basketball players, and you don't have to really worry about the streak and shooting. It's like it's a team effort that all these other colleges don't have, and I think Connecticut does. So I look forward to seeing UConn probably get to another Final Four if this keeps up. If nobody gets hurt, yes, they have a strong chance to go through their field, wherever region they play. Hopefully it's the West because when Connecticut wins their national championships, they they come out of the West region. They, that's been the formula of all the national championships, it seems like, 99, 2004, uh, 2011. They come out of that West region, is guaranteed, they, and, that, and, and, and I think the, nas- you know, the national uh, or the Final Four is in Phoenix this year. I would love, I was already looking at tickets to go out to Final Four in Phoenix. I was already looking, man, because, but, you know, I, I'm superstitious. I don't want to jinx that shit, so I'm going I'm to hold off. But none of these other teams went full strength on a neutral court can fuck with you, Kyle. I, I'm already convinced of that. And then the last team I was watching over the weekend, Houston. You know, Houston plays in the American Conference, uh, coached by Kelvin Sampson. That was the division. The, the um from a few years ago, UConn was after they left the Biggies and they returned to the Biggies. But uh, Houston played Texas A&M at the Toyota Center in Houston. And, you know, Houston is the, the formula of a Kelvin Sampson team. Uh, they get uh, a lot of guard play. You know, you know, you think of uh, Sasser currently, uh, Marcus Sasser, current backup reserve guard for the Detroit Pistons. Or think of like a Quentin Grimes who's currently on the Knicks as a backup guard. Think of those guys who are very good defenders, can knock down open shots. They get these type of guys. This is the type of uh, makeup Kelvin Sampson is. Uh, Emmanuel Sharp played well. Against Texas A&M, and he made a lot of good clutch perimeter shots in the second half. He's a he's their second leading scorer uh, this year. The team is normally led by L.J. Cryer. Uh, he's the guy who was a transfer from Baylor, and now he's on in on you know he went from uh, Waco, Texas, to uh, to to Houston to play for Kelvin Sampson. He's their leading scorer. Uh, both of those guys, L.J. Cryer shoots close to forty percent from three. Uh, Emmanuel Sharp. 
he's like around 37% from three. And then their playmaking guard, uh, Jamal Sheed, uh, Jamal Sheed, he's their guy. He's their, you know, he gets you about 10 points a game, about six and a half assists a game. And he knocks down the three at a 35, 36% rate. So between those three guards alone, you're going to have to step up and be on the perimeter because they, that's what they like to do. They like to slow the game down and they like to knock down the threes between those three guys in particular. All right. Then they have other guys on their roster. Uh, you know, Jawan Roberts, he's their cleanup man, kind of like what Balo is to Arizona. He's a guy who's going to get you eight points, seven rebounds. He's a, he's a clean up the glass guy. But uh, uh, Houston is not like built like with the Houston team from two seasons ago which I thought was their strongest team uh, out of the Kelvin Sampson era. Uh, they barely got past A&M over the weekend. Um, you know, they're kind of ranked top four, top five, but they have a weak schedule in the, uh, in, in, in the American Conference. It's like up until this point, I think they're 11-0. and 0. Uh, They really played nobody. Uh, a bunch of community colleges, weak teams in Division I. Uh, beating Utah, not a strong team. Uh, beating up on the smaller squads. They beat Xavier, a Big East team by six, in their house in Cincinnati. So, I mean, they don't have a strong non-conference schedule. Uh, Nothing upcoming in the rest of the month of December. They're not playing anybody strong. Uh, You know, they got a couple of Big 12 teams that they're going to be playing, like Iowa State, TCU. Nothing to really worry about. Uh, West Virginia, BYU, Texas, you know, you know, Kansas, uh, Kansas State, you know, they, they, they'll they be all right, you know, with the schedule, you know, you know, jumping ship from America to the Big 12. You know, we'll see how they play against at Kansas. That's the big game. That's going to be a February game. Uh, the, the Texas Longhorns is actually a decent team, so I would like to see how they will fare against them as well. But Houston, um, I think they're going to accumulate a lot of L's on this season. And and I don't think they're a top four team, you know. You know, it depends on all these other teams that's below them, like the Marquettes. That I have not mentioned the Creightons. They'll probably climb up, climb up in that 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 closer to the top seven, top eight. Duke, a team like that. Uh, North Carolina is actually pretty decent too, and I and I, I like their squad. And you know, Kentucky and North Carolina played over the weekend as well. Teams like that should uh, I think will eventually leapfrog the Houston Cougars. But I, I wanted to make sure I uh, discussed this college basketball from what I've seen thus far this season. It really, really was puzzled um, about the uh, about the Arizona uh, you know, Arizona Wildcats, their high ranking. I was really, really, really surprised about that. Um, but they, they're going to shake that up. They're going to shake that up. You know, Purdue, you know, like I said, they're the one-trick pony. And, and listen, this is a year where... A lot of guys have been bouncing around in that transfer portal. It's only going to continue as we move forward uh, in the college basketball landscape. But I mean, my clear as eyes, man. I know the Big East schedule. You know, all those teams like Marquette, Creighton, and UConn, and St. John, and Seton Hall, uh, Georgetown with uh, with Cooley now down there after leaving Providence. I would love to, you know to see more of that. Uh, I'm gonna pay, pay attention more with the ACC and Big 12, uh, Big 10. And, you know, some of the mid-majors, I'm going to try to get in, more involved with that as well. 
uh, it's really hard to keep up with a lot of these sports when you're following your own teams and all the professional leagues. But, you know, you got to do the job. You got to do the job, man. But uh, I just want to touch bases on that college basketball landscape on what I was seeing over the weekend. And, man, listen, man, I, man, I hope, you know, you know put my uh, bias on a little bit. I hope this is a back-to-back season because nothing's never guaranteed. And I, I, excuse me. I was hearing about, you know, if, if – um, the Huskies, are, are they blue blood? If they blue blood, now it depends on your def- definition of a blue blood. Or if your definition of a blue blood is getting these five-star recruits from high school, get them one season, and then they transfer out of there, I'm not going to put them in the blue blood category based off that premise, that premise of that definition. Because that's more of what Kentucky has been doing under John Calipari. That's what Mike Krzyzewski was doing over the last eh, 13 years before he left Duke. Because remember, he was more of the, the old school guy, stayed with the team for three, four years, graduate, then 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 go on to the league or on to life or careers or whatever. Blue blood more like Duke, your Kentuckys. That's more blue blood than me. Like go these these guys are placeholders. They're the un they're the um unofficial uh, uh, minor leagues for the NBA, these basketball camps in Duke and, Blue, and Kentucky, you know, guys, you know, five-star guys going there and leaving after the year. I mean, so many of them from Kentucky over the last 10, 15 years. But if you're talking national championships, if you're talking the chips, ain't nothing better than UConn right now. Nothing. All right. It's nothing better than the Connecticut Huskies. I don't care if it's North Carolina. I don't care if it's Kentucky, Duke, UCLA, a lot of those teams who were getting their championships since the Great Depression. UConn got all of their national championships since the start of the 21st century, 1999. End of the 20th, start of the 21st century. So you got five championships since 1999. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, they were getting all their championships since the Great Depression. They were taking advantage of the system where, you know, you know players, you know, you know, there was segregation, you know what I'm saying? So certain programs dominated regions is totally different, especially now with the transfer portal animal that we got right But yeah, you know, so we got it, man. We got it. Nothing, nothing's better than five champs over the last 23-ish years, 23 years. That's the most. That's more recent. That's relevant. That's blue blood to me. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Art Radio, Stitcher, College Basketball with your boys. Ooh. Listen, I, I had to speak on it. We'll definitely get into it more in the month of January. Enjoy your holidays, ladies and gentlemen. Bleed blue.